Has someone done you wrong? Well, you might be tempted to retaliate or seek revenge. There's a much better path to take. You can end the wrong that someone's done to you tonight by forgiving them. You can end it. And you go, but Ed, if I forgave, if I forgive tonight, as soon as I say I forgive you, even in my heart, if you have the chance to share that with them, as soon as I say that, they're going to sin against me again. And then you can end the evil in your life by forgiving them again. Yeah, but Ed, they might do it 20 times before I go to bed tonight. Yeah. And remember, Peter was just as startled by the same teaching of Jesus. Because he listened to the teaching on forgiveness from Jesus and it blew his mind. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We've all been hurt by the words and actions of others, and it can really sting. And when it happens, there's something within us that wants to return the evil with evil. But today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to walk in the ways of Jesus instead. What does that look like? Well, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and find out. God hates those who sow discord in the church. If you sat on my side of the desk or any of the pastors and leaders here that have to deal with the fallout of disunity, you would agree with me. If you've been on the other end of the pain of disunity, you would agree with me because we agree with the Bible. It's a horrible thing for those that purposely want to destroy you and destroy the church, this local body, that church by lying and sowing little seeds and it's not outright most of the time. It's just little seeds, little questions, little doubts that if you're not careful, you'll run with. It might come in a weak moment for you. And the Bible says he doesn't just hate that. He hates them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, I don't want my life to be on the other end of the hatred of God. Now, I understand the new covenant, and I know save you guys from emailing me and go, hey, that's the old covenant, that's the old covenant. Yeah, the God of the old covenant is the same God of the new covenant. He doesn't approve of disunity today, I can tell you that. He doesn't approve of those sowing seeds of discord. He doesn't approve of a little post on Facebook and the little notes over here and the little innuendos and prayers. He doesn't approve any of that. That's not true. It's not from the Lord. He hates those that sow seeds of discord. And, you know, even half-truths are full lies. <laughs> You've got to be really careful walking in the Spirit, right? How, how do we protect ourselves from that? Well, back into Peter, even in the midst of great trial, unity. Unity. Unity comes from the Spirit. We're a family here. Even though you might say today, listening to me, but Ed, Pastor Ed, Pastor, I'm a part of this church, or I'm listening, I'm part of another church, and I've been wronged. I've been hurt. I'm the one that received the short end of the stick. They've gossiped about me. They've slandered me. They've drugged my reputation through the mud. And they did it on purpose. And they say they're believers. What am I supposed to do then? That's a great question to ask. Look at verse 9. Here's your answer. Not returning evil for evil. 
or reviling for reviling. Number one, don't seek revenge. Because that humble spirit, it started with the spirit of submission. It's applied among the governmental realm. It's applied at work. It's applied in your personal relationships. It's applied in your marriage. It's applied in your single submission. That submissive spirit leads to unity. That unity with the spirit. It's not just unity with one another. We emphasize that unity with one another. But the more important unity is our, our relationship with God. That we're all on his same page. And that unity will lead us, even when we're tempted, not to return evil for evil. So you're right, it's evil. You're right, it's wrong. You're right, it should stop. It's evil. Okay, well then don't return evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult. Don't return pain for pain. Don't return post for post. That's impossible. Well, what's impossible with man is possible with God. You find that you begin to choose to jump in the mud with those that aren't in the flesh. You jump in the mud with those that are evil and acting whether they say they're believers or not. When you jump in the mud with them, you know what happens? You get muddy. And the other person, they like it. That's what they wanted you to do. They want you off your game. They want you out of the spirit. They want you, they want you to come to their level. And Peter says, in the, it's hard as it is, Don't return evil for evil. Don't return reviling for reviling. Reviling is a strong word that speaks of strong words being hurled at you. The the closest word that we would probably understand today is insults. So don't return them. Like Jesus and Paul, Peter urged his readers not to take revenge. And he gives us a positive. He says, on the contrary, blessing, know that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. There is a blessing on the other end when you leave vengeance to God. There is a blessing on the other end when you do not return flesh with flesh, with evil with evil. Here's some scriptures you want to jot them down. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. This is not a new teaching. It's all throughout the scriptures. It's the heart of God. Has someone hurt you? Are you returning evil for evil? Jesus, his teachings and leadings is that we don't do that. He wants us to look to him in the midst of pain. He wants us to derive our strength from him. Paul, he writes strongly. Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me, please? Paul writes very strongly to the believers in Corinth because they decided to take things into their own hands. They decided to take things into their own hands. Let's see what he has to say here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5. Look how he starts. Jot this down. I say this to your shame. Is it so that there's not even a wise man among you? Not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. And here's the big question. 
This is the big question. You should highlight this. You should circle this. This is the issue. So, so this isn't a prohibition against using the legal system. There are certainly appropriate times to use the legal system. That's not what this is a prohibition. What this is a prohibition is, is that instead of going to the brother or sister yourself to resolve the issue and even involve the leadership of the church to help you resolve it, you just hire a lawyer and threaten to sue or sue them outright. That is sinful. That is not the Lord. You know that just didn't come from the Lord. Again, this isn't a prohibition of using the court system when necessary in the legal system. So we've learned already about the role of government and man. However, this idea of, of just not going, bypassing the church leadership, bypassing those that you're accountable to, to hire a lawyer and take it to the public courts, not from the Lord. All day, every day. And this is the problem. Here it is. Here's, you should measure, you should, this is the question to ask. Why do you not rather accept wrong? And that's it. it. It's a rhetorical question, but if it was asked to me, I would say because I don't like being wronged. That's why. Why don't you accept wrong? Because I don't like it. And if I'm on the wrong day at the wrong time, I may respond in a way where the Holy Spirit needs to convict me of my own sin. I don't always like being wronged. And there are even times when maybe I don't return evil for evil. Maybe I don't return for evil. And I get tired of that. <laughs> I just get tired. And I get to that place where enough is enough. And I begin to sit in the seat of God over my life. But that's not the place I belong. I don't belong in the throne room of God sitting on his throne. I yielded and seated my life and everything about my life to him. I gave, we use that language, don't we? I gave my life to God. I mean that. I want to walk in his wisdom. I want to walk in his strength. But this is the question that some of you need to ask of yourself in the current situation. Why don't you just accept wrong? Because if you just accept wrong, you can move on and not return evil for evil. It is wrong. There is a language in the Bible that you can take it to God. It's called lamenting. You can lament to God where you are crying out that there is, just, there is injustice, but justice is coming. You, you can just accept wrong as a believer. He says, why don't you just let yourselves be defrauded? And there are times when that happens. No, instead, he says, you're, they did the exact opposite. You yourselves do wrong and defraud, and you do these things to your brethren. And then he begins to describe, this is like, unrighteous living. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not, like you're so, your behavior should shock you into thinking, man, you're living like an unrighteous unbeliever. Unrighteous people aren't going to, and Paul was so strong to the church in Corinth that, that he said some strong words. He says, you know, you got to check your behavior because this is how unrighteous people live. And if you're an unrighteous person, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And how did it start? It started with being wronged. And then it continued by your response. You can end the wrong that someone's done to you tonight by forgiving them. You can end it. And you go, but Ed, if I forgave, if I forgive tonight, as soon as I say I forgive you, even in my heart, if you have the chance to share that with them, as soon as I say that, they're going to sin against me again. And then you can end the evil in your life by forgiving them again. Yeah, but Ed, they might do it 20 times before I go to bed tonight. Yeah. And remember, Peter was just as startled by the same teaching of Jesus. 
He, goes, he listened to the teaching on forgiveness from Jesus and it blew his mind. He goes, seven times? You want me to do it seven, seven times? Like, are you, what are you, that, I can't. And Jesus said, oh, no, 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 you got it wrong, Peter. You got your math all wrong. It's not even about counting. It's about not returning evil for evil. You don't even count. Don't even get a calculator out. 70 times 7. And you know, 70 times 7 on the very next one, you can do it. No, no, no. It's 70 times 7 and another and another so that you live a free life. When you return evil for evil, you're just as evil as the evil that was done to you. And you're not walking in the ways of Jesus. Peter says, on the contrary, I want you to bless them. Coming back to 1 Peter now, I want you to bless them. Blessing. One of the blessings isn't just some overt act of blessing. One of the blessings is not returning evil for evil. That's a blessing to the other person. Because, you know, they're loved by God. Jesus died for them. One of the blessings that I believe in context here is not just looking for good things to do, but the fact that you obey God by not returning evil for evil, by not in getting involved in it, by just standing back and letting the Lord be your defender, running to him as a refuge, that is a blessing to the other person. They think they want to fight, but they, they really don't want to fight. What they really want, if they're true believers, is to abide in Christ. And one of the blessings you can give to them is just not jumping in the fight. Every moment of every day that you don't jump into the fight, every moment of every day you don't return evil for evil, you are blessing the people (laughs) that are hurling evil at you. The teachings of Jesus are startling and beautiful at the same time. He says, you were called to this. See in verse 9, this was what you're called. There's a lot of call. I was called to the ministry. I was called to teach. I was taught at women's Bible study. All these callings. No, you know what you were called to? You were called to not return evil for evil. <laughs> There's your calling. Lord, I, just, Ed, I don't know what my calling is. Well, here's one. Don't return evil for evil and look at the blessings that will come into your life. Look at what God will do. He says in verse 10, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Don't miss that last phrase. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So that if you choose to return evil for evil, guess what position you've just placed yourself in? God's face is against you. There you are just minding your own business, loving God, worshiping, hands lifted up. Something happens to you. If you choose to retaliate, you're in the same position as the other person that calculated and planned and whatever they did. It's just evil. You know, we don't, I I don't even, the Bible tells me to stay innocent of evil. And I really want to, I I don't even know all the ways that evil can be done. Or perhaps evil is even in this room that you're facing. I want to stay innocent and evil but I want to be excellent in what is good. But you may have your own version of evil done to you and the pain that you're currently in right now. If you respond evil with evil, you will hurt yourself even more with your own hands. We were called to brotherly love and we were called to joy and we were called to unity and we were called to to courtesy. We were called 
This isn't a lifestyle of being bummed out and burdened. Woe is me. Everything's bad to me. That, that's the culture that we live in. We live in a culture of professional victims. We are not victims. The Bible declares that we are victors, that we have victory in Christ, that the resurrection power dwells in us. Yeah, things happen to us, but it doesn't make us a victim because we can turn to God by faith and trust Him and hide in Him, and He will guard and protect us, and He will give us joy and unity and love. We are not victims, and I don't want to be a professional victim. I want to walk in the victory that's mine in Jesus Christ. Of course things happen to me. Of course things happen to you. God allows them. Sin surrounds us, but we are victors. We have the victory in Christ. Jesus Christ died and was buried. And as we saw time and time and time again down at the Parker Rec Center, he rose again from the dead and he walked out of the grave into life, ascended in the heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father. He is an authority. We follow him. He is our strength. You go, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. God is your strength. You can take the position, woe is me, but it'll just bum you out and burden you. But you can also take to the position as woe is they, and you can pray for them. And then you can get on with your life and enjoy your life. And be used by God. And fulfill your calling to brotherly love. And fulfill your calling to courtesy. And fulfill your calling to maintain unity. Fulfill your calling. Don't allow the sins of others to delay or to hold back the work that God wants to... Don't waste time. Don't waste time. We've wasted enough time in our lives. Now as a believer, we don't need to be wasting time. This is powerful because this is in the midst of... It is wrong and it is hard. As Christians, we can live on one of three levels. The commentator Warren Wiersbe said, we can return evil for good, which is the satanic level. We can return good for good and evil for evil, which is the human level. Or we can return good for evil, which is the divine level. Three levels. We can, number one, return evil for good. That's satanic. That makes sense. Evil for good. That's satanic. Secondly, we can just be good for good, evil for evil. That's human. Even unbelievers can do that. Or we can return good for evil, which is divine. And Jesus is the perfect example of what Peter is writing here. And I'll tell you, it's good to be a part of this family of God, this church family. Just a small portion of what God's doing on the earth today, but an important portion. There's something to be said with longevity in the same local fellowship, because you go through a lot. When you stick around, you go through a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of little annoyances, a lot of offenses, and you learn how to grow up as a believer. You don't just run away when things get tough and you don't just turn your back. You don't try. No, you say, no, let's stick it out. Let's see what God wants to do. Let's see. Let's work this out. Uh, if you want, uh, I titled this Bible study, What Do I Do When I'm Wrong? You can also go to the website or the app and listen to the Bible studies I did in Matthew chapter 18. Because Matthew chapter 18 uh, is Jesus' fundamental basic ingredients and instruction on how to solve interpersonal problems with each other in the body of Christ. And step number one is, if your brother's offended you, go to him, you and him alone, share that offense. If your brother hears you, guess what? You've won your brother. Isn't that what you want anyway? You want it resolved? 
You want to take care of? I want to win my brother. I don't want to have a bunch of people that are mad at me. And I'm like, well, they're mad. They're mad. No, I want it to be resolved. If that doesn't work, there's another level. If there's a continual sin against you in the church, then church discipline. And we believe here at Calvary in true church discipline. We've seen it over the years. That if you decide to live in unconfessed, unrepentant, continual sin here, and you are unwilling to repent when you're confronted personally, and you're unwilling to repent when witnesses come, and you're unwilling to repent with the elders of the church, and this takes time. You know, it doesn't happen all in 15 minutes, right? We work with you. We help you. But I'll tell you, if it doesn't, if you choose still to live an unrepentant life, you will be removed from fellowship in this church until you repent. It's biblical. Paul described it in Corinthians as turning you over to Satan for the destruction of your flesh. That's how serious it is. We don't mess around with sin here. And we do so in the atmosphere of grace. That's the beauty. If you look at Matthew chapter 18, it's all about being restored. It's all about building back up together. It's, it's finding what was lost. It's bringing back together what was broken. That's the whole heart of Jesus. Any pastor will tell you that it's one of the hardest decisions to make when you have to say, I'm sorry, but you are unrepentant and you are no longer in fellow. You are no longer welcome in fellowship here until you repent because we're going to protect the flock from either stray sheep like you or flat out wolves in sheep's clothing. We don't know the difference. We just know the effect. Unfortunately, many people repent 90, I don't know, I don't know the statistics, but 90% of the problems interpersonally are actually solved when you talk to the person. And they go, well, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? I didn't mean that at all. This is what happened. And this, uh, or I was having a bad day and I'm so sorry. Like, would you please forgive me? That's not, and then you're like, of course I forgive you. And you leave hugging and you're like, yeah, God has another victory. The blood of Jesus Christ brings another victory. But what happens when you don't resolve things, you try to get other, little pe pe other people in your little camp. And now they didn't have a problem until you started laying your trip on them. And now you're laying their trip on them and they were walking with the Lord and now they're mad at that person. And now you got, and it's just a waste of time. A lot of disappointed people, believers at the Bema seat, when they look back and go, you wasted your whole time involved in that nonsense? When did you take your eyes off the Lord? And... I just want to be an example to you. I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to see that in my life. So he quotes Psalm 34, 37, you know, to give that insight on how important it is to love life and see good days, just to keep our mouths quiet. No deceit. You know, when you're feeling that thing, you want to say something, very rarely are you going to sin if you keep your mouth quiet. <laughs> if you don't send that email. If you don't hit that post button, very rarely. I mean, it's already in your heart, so you got to deal with it with the Lord, but you'll make it a lot worse if it comes out. So the Lord can deal with your heart. But that, that word deceit, uh, you know, when, or guile uh, in verse 10 literally means, it comes to us from the fishing world. It, it means to bait the hook, to cover, to cover pain with flattery. Deceit is not being real not being honest. You're covering the true hook of your false life with false words. And that's why it hurts so much when somebody bites into it. So we're going to get into the rest of the section next time. Um, but remember, the context of this is suffering. The context is suffering, which makes us much more vulnerable, much more vulnerable to sinful decisions than when we're not suffering. Uh, and, and yet, 
Suffering can also put you in the place of crying out to the Lord like you've know, you could put you closer to God than you've ever been in your life. Because now you're desperate. And God's saying, I've been waiting for you to come, son, daughter, come to me. Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 1 Peter. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember, Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Lee Strobel's excellent book, The Case for Heaven. This is a must-read for anyone who wonders what's next after we die. As a journalist, he investigates all the evidence for life after death. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Peter. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.